Are there any questions tonight? Yes, Maharaj. Since you bring it up, could you talk about that? That's a favorite point to show Sridhar Maharaj is from Uphamese. The importance of deep engagement in responsible service. Well, he seems to equate it with Majjana Kriya. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there he is um, speaking, Pujapatrita Maharaj, as a, as a member of a mission and the uh, with with regard to the sense of the mission of bhakti siddhanta sarsadi thakur which who is the guru of Sri and prabhupada um, which was rather novel hmm, in its time was bhakti vinod thakur who had asked bhakti siddhanta sarsadi thakur to more or less to form such a mission he had this idea of um, Disseminating the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, widely, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, of course, was um, a great thinker of his time. He was educated by the British, and um, he had exposure to a lot of European thought. Uh, Britain at the time was occupying India, and Calcutta was the headquarters. So. Um, Bhakti Mataka was in the area there in West Bengal. So it's kind of a, also a think tank of educated Hindus as to how to look at their tradition in light of the modern world, if you will, which was coming to them through, through Britain with different thoughts and ideas about how things worked and what life was about and who God was and whether there was a God and so on and so forth. Um, and... Um, so many, Bhaktivinoda was, as I said, acquainted you know, with the different streams of Western thought and so forth, and uh, and he was, uh, of course, acquainted with the Hindu tradition. And he was trying to sort out what would be um, the uh, the goal of life and the means to attain it, and um, and he. Uh, Testified as to his, the, the, well, the, the nature of the, the state of affairs with regard to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. He said that the Bhagwat, Sumat Bhagwat, which is the main book of the of the Gaudiyas, hmm, that he didn't have any appreciation for it, and that it didn't appear that he had even read it, but that he had been more or less taught that this book is bad news, um, because the British, they were under the Victorian moral sensibilities and so forth. And they thought Christianity was the only true religion, of course. And so um, they came to India and you know, they were going to convert all the heathens and whatnot. But they had, um, <laughs> you know, largely in Europe, Christianity triumphed over paganism by way of marketing one miracle that trumped all other miracles uh, of the pagan world which were questionable, uh, I guess, as all miracles appear to be, to one extent or another. And that miracle was that somebody died and came back from the dead. How's that? You know, you may go to a shaman and, and or a witch or whatever, and uh, they may 
heal you or do something, that this, here's a guy, you know, he, he died and he came back. That was the story. Um, the Christ, of course. So this was, this is, this is, it's a miracle-based kind of <laughs> tradition. It's a, it very much centered on this uh, idea of the resurrection, <clears throat> which makes, must be, must be God, something like that. So they marketed this miracle throughout Europe and it, it closed down all the other um, shamans, pagans, and and so forth. And they also had to, for, you know, to go with that. They developed a more of a refined uh, theology and um, uh, uh, perhaps more thought out and so forth. But <clears throat> of course, coming to India, the, it's not a place to try to sell a miracle like that, as if it's something wonderful. <laughs> you got. Yogis bury themselves in the sand, you know, for for as long as you know <coughs> they should have been dead and so forth, and all kinds of you know it's a place of miracles. <laughs> so that didn't go over, and uh, and uh, yeah, they also had a very sophisticated uh, number of religious traditions with their own scriptures. I mean, the pagans didn't have scriptures. Here comes you know the, the, you take the Old Testament, you create a New Testament. You've got a scripture. You've got basically a it's a thought out religious worldview, and you try to answer all the arguments. And here it is, and you come into people who are making it up as they go along, so to speak. And so there's some power to uh, having written down what you thought, so that there aren't contradictions in it, and so forth. And it makes a concerted kind of a case. So uh, you know, you come to India, and they've got a a, 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 a theological, a, a, a scriptural tradition that's much vaster than the Old Testament and the New Testament combined, you know, uh, uh, and multiplied to, you know, times a hundred. I mean, it's a huge, uh, most voluminous body of revealed texts, the Upanishads, the Vedas, the Puranas. I mean, it's just huge, huge. The Bhagavad alone uh, is 18,000 verses. I don't know how many verses the, the Bible is. The Gita is 700 verses. Uh, and uh, so, huge body of literature and a very sophisticated <coughs> language also, Sanskrit. Hmm? And, uh, and, and numerous religious traditions centered around these basic uh, texts and, um, and much theology about the revelation also. So, you know, it was a different... That's why it hasn't flourished in India. This is the one country that there's probably some Islamic countries. That, there's a lot of Christianity over there too, I guess. Islamic countries in that area, but in India, it's uh, it's it's never taken hold hmm? yeah, to the same extent by any by any um, comparatively. Hmm? India is often thought to be uh, and often described as the mother of religion as far as countries go. Hmm. So, um, at any rate, Bhaktivinoda was familiar with Christianity, they tried to sell him that, and then you had the Hindus who were trying to deal with Christianity, but the British people come saying, this is the true religion, you're all heathens, and so forth. And so they had to reason with that, and and um, comparatively, the, the, the kind of the their presentation was rather simplistic compared to like the Bhagavad of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and so forth. So they didn't really understand it too well. And they were, of course, they were dealing with a lot of monism where the idea was that 
we're all God and it's all one, this kind of idea. No, there's difference between God and doctrine of love. So that is some power. But when they came to Vaishnavism, this particular um, take on the sacred texts of India, they thought, oh, this is a little closer to what, we're t- what we've been talking about. <laughs> if you look at it, it's, it, there have been some good comparisons by religious scholars uh, of Ramanuja's theology. He's a famous Vaishnava of another lineage than ours, a great theologian, uh, and, uh, and Christianity, and, the, uh, and his, um, what you would call, panentheism. Um, and uh, <coughs> Christian thinkers got to uh, pay their respect to, to Ramanuja. He, he's, they could have used that kind of underpinning of theological thought. Hmm? Uh, at any rate, um, when they came to Gaudiya Vaishnavism hmm, and the Bhagavatam, suddenly they go, oh, it all goes to hell here because here's Krishna dancing with gopis and stuff. And they then go, what's this? You know, it seems like this is Victorian England and very, you know, um, strict moral kind of life, which is the sum and substance of their religious life, if you will, and it looks on the surface like Krishna is dancing with these gopis and there must be some immoral guy and they think he's God or something like that. It's a very like, simplistic analysis of a very deep text and that says you know, nothing of the sort. And so the Bhagavatam was given a bad name by the British, so Bhakti Manod imbibed that hmm, and uh, didn't think much of, of the Bhagavad, but then suddenly he, uh, and other uh, Hindu sects were competing uh, in a sense that where they were kind of hoping that that Kedarnath Dutt, as he was called at the time, would join them. He was such a thinker and uh, very um, pious religious person. But he came across the book Chaitanya Charitamrita, mm-hmm. book of Krishna's Kaviraj, describing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and describing the Bhagavatam in light of how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu understood it. And that captured him entirely, Bhakti Vinod. And so he became a Gaudiya Vaishnav. And every, in, the, in the think tank of Calcutta, and the, at the time the Hindus were surprised. How could he come and why did he join that group? Because people didn't understand it very well. And so he took it upon himself to make it understood, not only in India but throughout the world, what is Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the wealth, the depth of this uh, tradition, hmm? which over time can be obscured. People misunderstand the teaching and then new, new teachers have to come and renovate and bring it to light again and so on and so forth. So with, with that in mind, hmm, he uh, used his Western sensibilities and wrote about Gaudi Vaishnavism, maybe a hundred books and so many songs and poems. And he wrote to Ralph Waldo Emerson, Henry David Thoreau, who were the first, supposed to be the first American transcendentalists, to correspond with them, try to influence them to you know, get together here, you know, and, uh, uh, and uh, con- consider the thoughts of the Bhagavad and Chaitanya Charitamrita, hmm. um, and so forth. So. This is percolating in him, and he was writing with that in mind. And then he then he passed it on to his son, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, and wanted him to give some shape to his idea that this would go all over the world. So it was Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur that formed a mission, and it, it, this hadn't been done before. 
in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, that there was a mission. Hmm? Mission means, well, it's, it's like a Christian word, you know, the Christian mission, the missionaries. Hmm? So Bhakti Siddhanta thought the Christian missionaries are coming here, so we'll have our own mission, and we'll go there. Hmm? We'll export you know, Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And so to have a mission, well, we need, an, we need, we need monasteries, hmm? and um, you know, certain types of literature, we need to uh, have a code of dress and whatever will be recognizable. And so he tried to form <coughs> um, a mission, and he looked at the Ramakrishna mission, which had Vivekananda had gone to America in the mid 1800s um, at the and was uh, had spoken at the religious um, world religions convention in Chicago. Got some foothold for Vedanta. He, was, of course, represents a different Vedanta lineage, but um, he had formed a, the Vedanta. Was it called the Vedanta Mission? Mission uh, Ram Krishna Mission in India. Later, he formed what was called the Vedanta Society. So anyway, looking at these models and so forth, Bhakti Siddhanta created really the first mission, if you will, for Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm? And um, so Sridhar Maharaj's disciple, Bhakti Siddhanta, was a monk, monastic, in that um, mission. And he became a sannyasi, teacher, and ultimately when Bhakti Siddhanta passed, he formed his own mission. But he had this mission sensibility. And this mission... Um, what I'm contrasting it with is, 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 if I say to you, okay, Dylan, I want you to go and sit under a tree and chant, uh, you know, twelve hours a day, and and um, and that's it. And it, it's not easy for somebody to do that in the beginning. They need some activity, something to do, something that will absorb their mind. <coughs> more readily. Hmm? And the idea of trying to explain Gaudiya Vaishnavism to common people, especially for Indians outside of India, the Europeans, the Americans and so forth, this was a, is a challenge. Hmm? You can see I'm trying to explain it and way that you'll understand and so forth. It takes a lot of absorption. And it's very consuming. Hmm? If someone says to you, "What are you? Why are you doing that? Why are you wearing those clothes?" And you got to think, well, "I've been told why." Now I got to say it myself. It's coming out of my own mouth. And whoa, and here we go. Why do I do this? Thing? To think about it. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, that's why I'm doing this, and it does make sense, and uh, and so forth. So this is very a form of kirtan, actually. From what you've heard, you're now repeating, and it, uh, and then to explain it in the way they you realize, well, I can't tell him everything right now. He, he won't get that. But what will I tell him? How much will I explain to her? You know, and, and would you like some prasadam? <laughs> 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 and, and so forth. So uh, this is the, the mission idea, and then um, the mission obviously has all kinds of. Responsibilities. Somebody has to cook. Somebody has to clean. Someone has to take care of the deity. Someone has to give the class. Someone has to chop the wood. Uh, whatever, whatever it is, it's uh, it, it's all consuming. Hmm? Like ordinary life is all consuming, and you don't have time to go to the temple. 
So we make the temple like ordinary life and the mission and have all these responsibilities within it and and in the context of, of attending to them and so forth, then you make spiritual advancement because it's all for, all properly centered for glorifying Krishna and for distributing his Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's um, ideas, thoughts, theology, and so forth. Hmm. So uh, it was um, uh, the, this is the idea how to do this came in Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. We're all coming because of that. That mission has come to America and and so forth and the 60s through through Prabhupada, Bhakti Siddhanta's disciple, my Guru Maharaj. And um, so we, it's we're indebted hmm, in this way. But uh, the point is, and the point that Maharaj raises is uh, in, in relation to my comment that I asked Dylan what, you know, how to go, because I put him in charge today, uh, being the elder, uh, although younger in tenure in the mission, a little bit of age, uh, comparatively not much, but, uh, and, and some expertise in the field also of, of uh, that kind of, Work and so forth. Anyway, so I, I asked what was the result, and as you know, I commented that a responsible service. That's very good. Though. So, and you can see he's feeling good about that. We did a good job. We accomplished something. We had a, something, you know, to do in the course of the day. We had a mission. You know, so this kind of thing, commitment to that, and taking responsibility for that, it weighs on one. It's, it, it and it uh, can be very. Um, Helpful and consuming. Sridhar Maharaj used to comment like that: that responsible service, deep responsible service, that will will save you from your mind. Because if you take and there's so much responsibility for a mission to help fund the mission, to um, to manage the mission, to explain the mission. You know, it's, 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 there's so many fields of responsibility, and the idea is we come into this with the idea that we're all very kind of self-centered, becoming, I want to be enlightened. Sounds good. I want to, whatever. I want to be enlightened. I want spiritual life and so forth. So we're thinking about ourself and how we're going to get enlightened. Hmm? And and what's going on here and how's it working and so forth. And, but it's, but it, gradually it should grow to an identification with the mission itself as kind of a, a manifest form of the deity or the guru's heart hmm? and the guru's service to his guru. Hmm? So we, we, we start to identify with the mission and its needs hmm? and we find that they're our own needs. Hmm? They cater to our spiritual need in ways that trying to cater to it myself uh, alone, kind of with blinders on and I'm doing my service, he's doing his over there and I guess he's doing something over there. And, Hi, you know, <laughs> something like that. You know, that, that you, you gotta come out of that, so to speak, and 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 see the group, the mission, everything in it. And somebody says, you know, can you do this? You say, why don't you do it? You know, obviously, the, you know, um, uh, in, in most cases, and someone's going to ask you sincerely because they've got something else they've got to do, and, and so. You're seeing it as the mission, the mission, and and you you identified with that, and and when you see something needs to be done, you think, well, I hope somebody does does that. You think it's being shown to me. I guess I should do it. Hmm? Pick that up. 
it's being shown to me. Okay, I should do that. Hmm? Or if I have other responsibilities, I should point it out. I saw this. This looks like this needs to be done, and I couldn't do it because so on. So this kind of thinking, hmm? well, I identify with the mission, with, with helping our Guru Maharaj accomplish what he wants to accomplish for his Guru, and 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 giving him the free time to do the things that that only he can do, hmm? and 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 connecting ourselves to the things that he would like to see happen, that he needs other hands and other legs, uh, ears and mouths and so forth to do. This is his problem. He has an idea. <laughs> he needs uh, other legs and hands. So we become them, so to speak. Hmm? And so this is kind of the idea of responsible service. And, and it, 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 um, it makes it difficult to unplug. Hmm? And do what I think might be personally good, or something like that, uh, or or something worse. The mind is, of course, difficult to control, and the world is speaking loudly. So the mission speaks loudly. I've got needs, hmm. needs. It can consume all the money you could possibly put in it in a day, hmm? all for Krishna, hmm? for example. Hmm? I can tell you that. <laughs> We've got eight mortgages. <laughs> Just to give you one example. We're living. We've we've barred our future. We've invested our whole future in service, <laughs> not just our present, but our future also. So there's no room to go anywhere. You can't. The more you identify with the mission and responsible service, that there's even if the mind would like to go somewhere else, you can't. So it it works like this, and it and it can help. To bring us up in a way that uh, we would not be able to do just kind of practicing on our own, if you will. Because hmm? again, the mind is difficult to harness. And so, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Sakura saw the time that people would be initiated and told, go sit in the jungle and chant. And they couldn't do it. Their mind would wander. The next thing you know, they would be doing things they shouldn't be doing. Hmm? And they dressed like this. And that doesn't bode well. For the sect, hmm? so he thought we have to find a way to engage the modern mind, hmm? and this was his idea, the mission. So, Shudamar uh, speaking about his own time in the mission and what it was like. Every monastery, a beehive of activity, and, uh, so much service to do, and people coming, and and now you're a new person. Next thing you know, you're the senior guy here, and you've got to talk to somebody else and teach them, and so forth, and. And uh, so on. So he's thinking of that and how it was so helpful to himself and others. And he saw it had the power to, to consume minds and very powerfully engage them in ways that other people could benefit as well. So, so this is not only you will benefit from this in ways that you could not in your uh, in the novice stage just by practicing. Hmm? Not only that, but will it help you in ways that you, you would not be able to help yourself just by the by individual practice, but it will also help others. And the more you help others, then you, that's good for you. That's extra extra points for you, so to speak. Anybody, anybody who's helped by you, directly or indirectly, in Krishna consciousness, this feels indebted to you. Hmm? 
So they'll think of you when they think of Krishna. He helped me. And Krishna will think, oh, yes, and he helped him. That's very nice. That boy is very nice. That girl is very nice. This prophet would call us, you boys and girls are very nice. (laughs) We were helping him. And when he came to America and formed this mission, and he didn't know when he got off the boat in the Boston Harbor, he said, whether to turn left or right. It's a very powerful story, how he came across the on a freight freighter, the Jaladutta, the boat, and had a heart attack on the way and so forth. And it wasn't like a luxury liner or anything, it was a cargo boat. Hmm? Got off the, you know, the boat in Boston with a case, a suitcase full of books. <laughs> he didn't know whether to turn left or right. He said so. He was living in the Bowery in New York, which is like uh, not the best place. Uh, and uh, homeless, homeless person, but in his heart, hmm, the whole world could live. It was so big. So gradually people came and curious about the Swami, and then they began to help him. I mean, he knew everything, but he couldn't do everything. He knew what he wanted to do, I mean, but he couldn't do it practically, physically. He needed more hands, more legs, more ears, more mouths, so on and so forth. So, And in those days, he, did, he used to even wash the, uh, do the laundry for the devotees and so forth. And, and uh, gradually they, they, they took responsibility, is the point, right? Then he could be free to write the books and uh, and, uh, and do things, of course, that they, they could could not do. And so we want to look and see where we can take responsible service, and and that will be very good for us, very helpful, helpful for us, and helpful for others. And if it's helpful for others, it's helpful for us again and second time around, so to speak. There's that residual. So we want to pass into that stage, and it can be done by householders who, who live outside or obviously by the monastics in the mission. They're like the, the legs running everything, making, you know, providing the, helping to, to create, provide an environment for householders to come and take advantage of and get enthused and spend time there themselves. And, and they, in turn, need to fund it because the monks don't have jobs and... and uh, so they have a relationship like this, and uh, and uh, with the mission in the center, it's kind of like I say, you know, you have the deity is there, but the deity has a house, has cows, has a, so you have to see all these things in relation to the deity, not separately. That you see, the more you go in that direction, the more you move away from the neophyte kind of understanding. That hmm. uh, uh, when I'll serve Krishna, I'll go to the Arctic, but. There was a guy years ago in a, in a mission, and he was very good at learning verses, and he was learning the Sanskrit. So in a, in a lecture, one sannyasi told me that he would give a lecture and say, and there's that verse, and what is that verse? And, he would, and the guy would give the verse, and the guy would give the verse, and the guy would give the verse, and he was very good. So he'd say, uh, so-and-so, do you know that verse? Yes. He'd give it, so-and-so, do you know that verse? Yeah. And sannyasi was remembering part, and the, uh, so he was using the guy like that, and the, uh, this devotee. So you know this verse? Yes. You know this verse? Yes. You know this verse? Yes. And then the class was over. And he said, can you wash the pot? No. <laughs> so, <you> know, <laughs> he didn't know anything, is the point. Hmm? Right? He had memorized many verses, but he didn't, he didn't know anything. What was bhakti? Hmm? What it, what, it, what it means to serve Krishna. It's not just learning verses. We will think certain things. That's spiritual. Uh, Every aspect of the mission. Hmm? 
Just like it's not just Krishna's face that's beautiful, even the bottoms of his feet, right? That's it. It's not just the tenth canto of the Bhagavatam which is compared to the smiling face of Krishna, but the first canto, the second canto, the third canto of the Bhagavatam compared to his uh, legs, ankles, feet, so on. These are all important as well, all spiritual. Hmm. If you're really spiritual, deeply, then um, then even the stories of the creation stories and so forth, you're going to find them interesting. You can draw the most out of the lowest part of the teaching. Hmm? People want to just go to the highest part of the teaching. Go there quick. And This is like someone who wants to eat the fruit without planting a seed, watering, waiting a few years, patiently taking care of the tree and so forth. Hmm? Uh, so, not like that. Hmm? It takes time, some effort. You want to cry like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in ecstasy while chanting. First, you need a little water coming here on your brow, right? That you've engaged your sadhaka deva hmm? responsibly. Hmm? You've worried for Krishna. You see, there's a tendency to think, I want to get away from all worries. Hmm? I want easy life, easy life. That will be spiritual life. I have nothing to do. I have nothing to. I don't own anything, so I don't have to worry about anything. Hmm? Bhakti is a different idea. Now you you come responsible for all of Krishna's paraphernalia. You've got to keep it clean. You've got to make. You got a full full activity. You can even worry for Krishna. What will happen? Hmm? How will we do this? How will we accomplish that? And so forth. And, and all of this will turn into. The life of spiritual emotion, due, due course. So you don't want to be a, a, a jnani. Hmm. A, karmi means a person who's engaged with material nature for the exploitation of nature, to serve the ideas of oneself that's manufactured in the factory of one's mind. That we don't want to do. But we don't want to do nothing either. Hmm. Because there is a center, and the center needs to be served, and all things belong to the center. So the problem is not that we have things. The problem is that we think things are ours. <laughs> That's the only thing you really have to give up, that it's mine. Hmm? If it's Krishna's, then I can carry it, keep it, and do all kinds of things with it <laughs> for him. But the idea that it's mine is the only thing you really have to give up, because nothing actually does belong to you. And the easiest way to give up the false sense of proprietorship that we have is by understanding who the proprietor is. Oh, oh it belongs to you. Excuse me. Oh, it's yours. I'm sorry. Here, you, you take it then. Right? If you're a decent person and someone drops a dollar, $20 bill in, in the line to the cashier, you don't go <laughs> put your foot on it and so forth and then go down to tie your shoe and slip it in your sock or something. You go, oh, well, sir. You know, because you know who it belongs to. Now, if it just blows in the wind, you know, you think, okay, God sent me a twenty-dollar bill. I'll take it, use it in His service, something like that. But the point being that knowledge of the proprietorship of that to whom something belongs has a tendency to take out from within us the idea that it could be mine and to interact with it as, as such. So we put Krishna in the center, the mission in the center. He's the proprietor. He owns everything, everything for him. Hmm? And then um, 
then it's a it's a very also a user kind of friendly life as I put it because again you want to do all the things that you do in ordinary life but Krishna centered hmm? so the mission really helps in this way and uh, helps especially for beginners hmm? but it helps for senior persons too because then the senior persons get a chance to speak and they, they have questions people ask questions nobody asked that question before an opportunity to Give a, a, a new answer and listen to it yourself, and then oh, it's interesting, and and so forth. So bodhayantas parasparam, mutually enlightening. It's and it's forever. There's no end to the to the learning, if you will, given the nature of the subject. So as Shudra like to say, we're all students forever in this uh, venture, given the nature of the subject. Hmm? Praying is our goal. It's said to be full and ever-increasing at the same time. So, how can it be full and ever-increasing? Well, some things are beyond, the, the, you know, uh, our ears, what's, be- what's between our ears, beyond our thinking, and that's good. We only think so far. Hmm? So, responsible service, everyone should try to gravitate towards this. Hmm? Mission gives us a great opportunity to, to make progress and come out of kind of a, a life with blinders on and and so forth, and they kind of take out the narcissism that may be left within you. Hmm. That's its purpose. Has good psychological benefits (laughs) as well. Anything else? Yes? Um, When you say, I heard you say that when we sit down and chant Japa, we should think we're going somewhere, not that we're just sitting there. Could you talk a little more on it? Well, yeah, this chanting has come from somewhere. Hmm? Narutam Thakur says, Goloker Premodhan Harinam Sankirtan. The chanting of the names of Krishna is it has been exported from Golok hmm, to here. The wealth of that place, Krishna's abode, is Prem. So Goloker Premodhan, the wealth of Prem, it comes to this world in through the through the medium of the chanting of Krishna Nam. So so the idea is when you chant, that's where you want to go. But what I mean by that is that when we sit and we chant, that you want to become absorbed in the chanting, you want to chant for the pleasure of Krishna, Radha and Krishna here to here and so forth and when I say go somewhere I mean that there should be some movement within some change within because where we are is the condition of our heart hmm? our consciousness we could be in the same room with someone but being in a very different place right so I don't mean that you know you sit down and chant and what did I say think you're going you're gonna to go somewhere I don't mean sit down and chant and think, maybe I should go to the store, or maybe I should... <laughs> I don't mean like that. <laughs> but I mean that, that it should bring about some change hmm, within. Hmm? And then you will go somewhere. You will, you will go to a different perspective altogether. Hmm? And you'll understand the mantra, you know, experience the mantra. I mean, I'm saying you should chant and and with a view to to be exclusively absorbed in that, that experience 
of what it is that you're chanting, which is beyond kind of thought and language, comes within you, and then you have and you know something. You know, hmm. And you may, may, may not even be able to talk about it, but you know, I'll do this again. <laughs> this is good. Uh, so, not in the words just to get it done, just to count, and is it finished yet, or I don't need to be done. Yeah. No, then you miss out. Hmm? <coughs> so, think of it as an, an adventure. Here, here I come. I get, I get the chant now at this time, and really, and then, and then I see also how well I have engaged myself in other things throughout the day hmm? by how well I can sit and chant. Hmm? Because all those activities are also should be also Krishna conscious. Hmm? Now I get to come and directly remember Krishna and concentrate. If I've been doing my services and the mission with this in mind, as I'm talking about responsible service, then you know, when we chant... <coughs> hmm? get more out of it. Hmm? So, I mean, don't be mechanical in that and uh, and expect that this is transformative. Hmm? And so you're excited about it and you see it happens to other people. So it can happen to me too. And sometimes I get a little experience and I go, yeah, this is incredible. This is, I can't put the words to it, but yeah, so here's my chance again now. I'll get the, get the chant and with some expectation, as I say, that I'm going to go somewhere. Hmm. I'm going to change. I'm going to not stay where I am. Hmm. I'm going to go, go to Goloka, hmm. right? Where this comes from. It's been exported from there to take me there. Hmm. And that is a you know a frame of consciousness. You get your heart becomes purified. Hmm. You feel the burden is lifted of your sense of attachment, small-mindedness, and so forth. So, these are just beginning things, Lori. So, it's experiential. We want experiential spiritual life now. We don't, we're not doing something that we just, just go through the motions of it and then we die and go to heaven or something like that. Not like that. You go there now. Hmm? Be there now. There was a book when we were kids, Be Here Now. In the sixties, right? Be here now. It was a, it uh, influenced a lot of people about uh, Eastern spirituality. Be here now. You might have heard of it, but maybe not. <laughs> I'm just getting blank stares. Be here now. Some of you are older, you know. Be here now. So I guess it was a kind of a it was a kind of a crazy book in a way, but it was kind of. But now that I think back, it was kind of emphasis on mindfulness or something like that. Be here now, but. We say, be there now. Hmm. Be there now. That is to be here, hmm. in the full sense of the term. Hmm. Samadhi now. Of course, we can also say, work now, samadhi later. But if you do that work, you'll find, I'm in samadhi, working. Hmm. I have experience. In ordinary service, hmm. not just sitting and chanting, hmm. talking to people about Krishna, selling books to people and so forth, of looking around and thinking, where am I? <laughs> Very deep, where am I? 
and I and I know I'm just being moved. And you take the book. Thank you, next person. <laughs> That's very nice. So it's not just when you sit and chant, but if you do conscientiously, then you know all these. That's where I said the other night. Where I said it's sometimes difficult to understand the Vaishnava. He could be just cooking. Everybody cooks, you know, or eats, or mows his lawn, or whatever, and be in another world. Hmm? And you wouldn't know it by his activity, but if you get to know the person, you look closely. His motivation is entirely different. His experience is entirely different. Hmm? This is uh, very beautiful. Vaishnavism, very beautiful. Hmm? And, 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 and you see how, how accommodating it is. I mean, if you... Um, you know, you, you, it's a kind of a spiritual practice that, as I say, is friendly for humans, uh, but even non-humans can practice it practically, right? You can grow the vegetables, and your whole life they're just growing to be offered to Krishna. That's a pretty auspicious life of a cauliflower. Hmm? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it would be in its next life, or the cow for Krishna. Is she just giving her milk every every day for Krishna? Hmm? We think, if only I could be as steady as the cow in my spiritual practice. Hmm? See, it, it will become like that. At the time, you will think, oh, all the things in the temple, they all, they're all part of Krishna's paraphernalia. They're not going anywhere. Hmm? I sometimes think of going somewhere. Just see, they're higher than me. They never think of leaving. The candle never thinks of leaving. The, you know, the, the vase never thinks of leaving. It's always there. You start to think like that. Then you start to you, you have regard for everything. Everything is animated, hmm? and you find you're in a land where everyone is superior to you, and it's it's not bad. It's good. Everybody has something to learn from everyone and everything, hmm? even from the so-called inanimate things. Hmm? Yeah, and you find devotees in in the heart they're worshiping everything: the floors, the refrigerators, the stove. Oh, it's, it's just burning for Krishna only. And this is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you'll never go anywhere. You'll be you'll be there, so to speak. So it's a way of really bringing to life everything, because everything you see, everything, if you will, as I said earlier, belongs to someone, in a sense. So the material na- energy, it's Krishna's energy. It's his separated energy, but it belongs to him. So that which is manifest from it, he's the proprietor. Hmm? So when you use the thing in Krishna's service, as we do in the mission in so many ways, it gives a life to the thing that um, is meaningful. Whereas if you use it for your own mental purpose, it's going to fight with you. It's not going to cooperate entirely. Therefore... Um, it's a way to get material nature to work with you, hmm? instead of going against the stream. Work, work for the purpose of Krishna. Material nature will tend to cooperate, hmm? or if not, it's only to teach you something. But, hmm? but it then it, it animates everything. That's why we say the spiritual world is animate. Everything's alive there. This is you can bring the whole world alive. Hmm? And you go in the garden and the eggplant will say, Pick me, offer me, offer me. Okay, there's one. Like this. This is the power to, <laughs> to create a very vibrant uh, <coughs> environment. Hmm? 
Yes. Well, it it's nice to think like that, but also it seems like it could be dangerous, like then when the garden gets flooded and everything dies, or the cows get mastitis for months on end, and you're like, you know, you're trying to do your service, and you're just thinking, well, what, what's wrong? You know? If it's for Krishna, then why isn't aren't things going properly? Because Krishna wants to <laughs> wants to <laughs> teach you something. Huh? Uh, you'll be there serving regardless. Hmm? See, it's not what's being offered. That's also in the confusion. Hmm? It's how it's being offered that's important. Hmm? So with, we should think, oh, Krishna's not getting his milk, it's terrible. So, but, but Krishna's not really hungry in another sense. Hmm? He's hungry for you to learn, serve, and to have that kind of hunger. Oh, it's a problem. Hmm? It's a problem for Krishna. What will I do? Just give up or no? I've got to do this for Krishna. I've got to take care of the cows. Now there's a problem. So these things come to help us also to grow in our commitment and service attitude and so forth. And We just want to do the service. The results are up to Krishna. We think, well, we don't think, oh, well, um, Krishna didn't make it happen, so I guess it's not happening. We, we try to make it happen as if it's dependent upon us, but knowing it's up to Krishna, if it doesn't happen, that way he's got something else in mind, it will come out in the wash somehow, somewhere down the line. One day I'll think, oh, all those things happened, and that's why. Just see, it all makes sense to me. Hmm. Take some time. All right, I got a date. As I mentioned, C.C. Gauradama.